Welcome to Balance 365 Life Radio, a podcast that delivers honest conversations about food, fitness, weight, and wellness. I'm your host, Annie Breeze, along with Jennifer Campbell and Lauren Kosky. We are personal trainers, nutritionists, and founders of Balance 365. Together, we coach thousands of women each day and are on a mission to help them feel healthy, happy, and confident in their bodies on their own terms. Join us here every week as we discuss hot topics pertaining to our physical, mental, and emotional well-being with amazing guests. Enjoy. Welcome back to part two of 10 personality traits of overeaters. On our last episode, Jen Lauren and I began to dive into and unpack some of the most common personality traits and how they affect our approach to diet and exercise habits. If you haven't given that an episode to listen, I would highly recommend checking that out first. On this episode, we continue our examination of these traits. And if you're like the three of us, I think you might hear a little bit of yourself in one or more of these. If you want to continue the conversation, join our free private Facebook group, Healthy Habits, Happy Moms, as well as follow us on Instagram at Balance365Life. Enjoy. Welcome back, Jen and Lauren. We are continuing our discussion on personality traits and how they might affect your health and wellness goals. We uh, had our last episode was on the first five, I think it was. Yep. And we're going to pick up with the second Five or six? Five? Six. Six? Six. Thank you. Thank you. That's a a lot of counting. Um, (laughs) And we're going to pick up right where we left off. So if you haven't listened to that first episode, uh, please do so so you can get up to speed because we covered a lot of really, really great topics that I think will resonate with you. Um, I know Jen, Lauren, and I kind of already saw ourselves in some of those. And I just looking ahead at the list, I can already see myself in some of these ones coming down the road especially this first one. (laughs) Yeah. Jen, do you want to tell us about the next personality trait? Sure. Should I real quick do a recap of the five that we said? Yeah, Yeah, that's a good idea. So the first five of the 11 traits we're covering is one, all or nothing thinkers, two, perfectionists, three, people with a deficit mindset, four, people who are help avoidant, and five, people who are externally rather than internally motivated. So go back and listen to that podcast to get more details. Um, Really great podcast, lots of stuff there. And also just understand that um, it's these personality traits that are being linked to people who struggle with consistency and making those changes. And if you listen to our podcast, you probably are here because you want to be healthier and you want to make changes and you're working with us because you're trying to figure that out. So a lot of that comes down to your mindset and your approach. And once you can identify those traits in yourself, you are not destined to, you know, to live with those. You can start working on them. So we're not, we're not presenting this information in like a judgment zone. We're just non-judgmentally um, educating you and we see ourselves in these traits too. So we relate to you guys. Yeah. All right. Good review. Thank you. That was a good idea. Okay. So let's pick up where we left off. The next topic is people pleasers and approval seekers. And I'm just going to go hide under my pillow because <laughs> <laughs> so this would this be number six. So people, pre- people pleasers and approval seekers they have trouble with long-term change. So this is the desire to please others. 
often authority figures. And in the book we are referencing um, for these two podcasts, it is, I'll just say it again, it's called Helping Patients Outsmart Overeating, Psychological Strategies for Doctors and Healthcare Providers. Um, And we have, um, this book is referenced um, and recommended to all of our Balance 365 coaches um, to better coach people in Balance 365. So people pleasers and approval seekers, um, they are they will go into their, say if they're seeing a doctor or dietitian and their whole, you know, being is about impressing or pleasing authority figures. So they just love to get that pat on the head. Um, and another place we see this, um, so this book really is about um, health or is for healthcare providers, but I wanted to mention where we see this a lot in Balance 365 is in dysfunctional mother-daughter relationships. Um, And so weight loss, um, whether unconsciously or consciously, like we try bring it to their conscious just through different tactics that we use by asking people questions. Um, It's actually, they women have a desire to make their mother or father um, happy or proud of them. And that's why they are pursuing weight loss. So a really good pod, if that's something that is hitting a nerve for you, um, a really good podcast to listen to of ours is um, Mothers, Daughters, and Body Image with Hillary McBride, where we really dove into that topic. That was one of my favorite podcasts that we've done so far. Yeah, for sure. Just grab a tissue before you start it. (laughs) For sure. So so that's definitely something people might want to unpack in therapy. Um, but it's also, I mean, what we want you to know is that, um, it's really important to be able to own your own journey and what you want for your life, not what other people want for you. Um, and that really is the key to long-term, um, change. So, um, you know, this kind of leads back to what we talked about in our other podcast is finding out what internally motivates you. Um, make sure you celebrate your successes and be proud of yourself. And um, I remember seeing, I saw a child psychologist several years ago. She was speaking at our preschool and she was giving parents um, some education and suggestions for dealing with kids. And I remember one thing that really stood out for me is um, when they bring something to you. So, um I think a lot of us struggle with people pleasing and, and I mean, you just really want, you want your parents to be proud of you. It's kind of innate. So she suggested when your child brings something to you, so they've drawn a picture or they have a really good spelling test score and they bring it to you and they're like, mom, look, and they're looking for your approval. Um, one strategy you can use is say, um, you know, that's great. How do you feel about it? Are you proud of yourself? And so that's kind of what I was reminded of when I was going through this section is saying like, you know, it's just important to pause for a sec and be proud of yourself Um, and reflect on how you feel about that. I have um, no shame in admitting that I am 35 years old and I go to therapy every Wednesday (laughs) (laughs) and we have talked so much about, she always asks me, what was your experience? And 
oftentimes I have trouble answering that question because I'm like, well, they didn't like what I did, or they were really proud of me, or they thought I was really good, so I thought it was really good, or they didn't think it was good, so then I didn't think it was good. And she's like, but that's not your own experience. That's not your perception. That's, or that's not your, that's not yours. Like that's theirs. That's their perception of you. That's their perception of your work. And, and what do you think? And how do you feel about it? And I'm always like, I don't know. What do other people think? If other people like it, then I like it. <laughs> and if right, other yeah. people like it, then I feel good about it. And that's been really, really difficult. Like that's takes some serious intentional work to like stay focused on where am I at? How do I feel? What do I want? And then letting go of what other people think. Like, okay, other people didn't approve. That's okay. I liked it. I felt good about it. You know? And and in keeping that at the forefront of my focus has been really really, um, helpful. Yeah. And it doesn't just come down to your, your like health and wellness or nutrition and workout habits that could, you know, in so many areas of life, you know, as far as going through all these personality traits and mindsets, it can just apply to any area of life. Like if somebody comes over, if you're, when your mother comes over or say your mother-in-law, you must have a spick and span house and it's like you really want to please your mother or your mother-in-law by having it and get their approval by having a spick and span house. But it's like, how do you feel about having a spick and span house? So for me, it's like, well, you know what? I am okay. Like, you know, I do like having an orderly house. That helps me. But I'm actually okay with a level of mess and like realizing that that is, huh, okay. So then I can start taking action on that as well, right? I um, I see this and I've experienced a lot and I, I've done some research about it um, on social media it, as it pertains at least to teens. I gave a, a talk to middle schoolers about social media use and um, how that can affect your mental wellness and your well-being. And um, I think it's really easy if you're a people pleaser or an approval seeker to get uh, wrapped up in likes and comments and shares. And I mean, I can't tell you, especially early on in my kind of Instagram journey, um, when I just really wanted people to like me and I wanted people to comment and really praise me. And, um, and if they didn't, then I thought it was whatever I wrote or whatever I shared was lacking value or it was crap. And that's, that's not the case. That's, you know, I feel like some of my best content I put out has the least amount of likes. Like, um, if I, some, you know, I might snap a selfie and not even have any depth to that post and get 900 likes or whatever. And then today, actually today I'm going to post about a, um, a nonprofit I contributed to on Monday and I have this write up to go with it. And I already know it won't get as much engagement as, the selfie I took. And it's like, you know, if I was on social media just to seek people's approval, then I would start curating my feed to become one that gets a lot of likes. Which moves you further and further away from yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And more in the eyes of what everyone else thinks versus the eyes of what you think. And that is never, ever going to fulfill you. Like, and I'm speaking from experience, (laughs) like you can keep trying to fill that bucket with all the Instagram likes in the world and it's never going to be enough. You're just going to want more and more I sometimes, or I think I should say, I don't know, nobody knows a hundred percent, but sometimes I think I see that where I have different, um, 
I just, you know, I have someone I know in real life, say, who is really deep and generous and kind and has a lot to offer the world. But then when I look on their social media feed, I think like, this is not you. Like something's not translating here from who you're presenting yourself on social media to who you really are. And and there's nothing wrong with having, you know, like professional photos or whatever on social media, but I'm like, you got you got more there, girl. Like, come on, show me. Like, shine your light, show the world because you are more than the likes you get. You are more than perfectly posed professional photos. Like, I know you're a deep, amazing person. So let's see that. Are but you talking about me? No, I'm not. I'm actually not. I actually think I am thinking of someone in particular who me? I totally adore. No, um, I do. I see it more. I guess, no, it's not you guys. It's like a younger woman that I know. Wait, what? In her 20s. Yes. I'm 21. I, <laughs> I feel 21. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, she might even listen to this and she may go, is she talking about me? Um, well, that's, that's, but, the yeah. people, that's the people pleaser and approval seeker in me. That's like, wait, wait, is Jen you is, talking about me? Is Jen critiquing my Instagram page? Like, what? Yeah, no, I just think, I think we all have a great balance, you know, so I don't, you know, we, I, I, you know, I post some selfies, like I celebrate myself sometimes and, but then I also do want to show that, um, I want to highlight this nonprofit group, Mamas for Mamas, that I've been getting involved with. Um, I really want to do that and, and it's just a picture of a bunch of a bunch of stuff in the back of my vehicle and it's not as eye catching, it's not as, but like, there are people who follow me who will stop and read that and get to know me at a deeper level. But the truth is really only a percentage of my followers um, on Instagram. I have about 10,000. Only a percentage of them will stop and get to know me. Um, and those are the people I'm showing up for. Like, I don't need to show up to just gain the approval and more followers and more followers. My goal on social media is to get people... Um, I want them to get to know the whole me. I want them to start thinking a little bit deeper about things. And I understand that that doesn't have mainstream appeal. So I probably will never have 500,000 followers, which is totally, it's totally fine by me. So it's just being really uh, intentional and coming back into who you are and, and um, what your purpose is. Um, for being here. And, right? it, and it can be tricky whether we're talking weight loss or Instagram posts not to follow the applause to get more applause. Exactly. Because right. that, it feels good. I mean, it's a lot I, of people yeah. fall into that trap. It yeah. does. And, and to stay focused on where you're at and what you want and what you need and who you are um, can be challenging at times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got off on a little tangent, (laughs) but moving along, uh, the next personality trait, victim mindsets. Right. So this is a tricky one. Victim mindset. This is tricky. Even the whole, it'll be triggering to even hear victim mindset for some people. So we do not mean people who are actual victims of trauma. That is not what we're talking about here. We are talking about a victim mindset, um, and I took this straight from the book, Um, Don't Kill the Messenger. (laughs) Um, What we mean is people who insist they cannot be helped. So I don't think we see this often, but we do see it occasionally in people we work with, whether it's in Balance 365 or it's just in our big community. They post that they have a problem, 
and people are responding with suggestions, a lot of compassion and some suggestions just for even one tiny step forward. And that person always is counteracting those suggestions with, but this won't work for me because of this. And like nothing will work for them. They're feeling hopeless. Um, Yeah, they feel helpless. Exactly. They are totally helpless and they cannot see a way forward. Um, We we you know we shouldn't be looking down on these people but it, it it's it's probably the one of the most frustrating things to deal with as a coach because your job right. as a coach is to move people forward right we're very different from psychologists um and a coaching coaching is about moving people forward so this is this is like probably the most one of the most difficult situations for us to um deal with in a person and takes a lot of patience. Um, and when I come across this, um, you know, I eventually say, you know, you can say, what? well, what do you think will help? And if they're like, if they're still at the point where I don't know, I mean, really, really, I think that these people need to be in therapy um, and they need to be addressing with a therapist why they feel so powerless. So, um, yeah, but it is, and I know probably everybody listening, they might feel awkward, like all of a sudden going like, oh, that is me. Or they might say, I know somebody who does that. And it is extremely frustrating. You can't help them because nothing for them will ever work. Yeah. And sometimes if, if that's you, sometimes you just creating awareness that you're doing it can be a a really good step. Like, oof, you know, like I am really struggling to find something that will sounds like it'll work. Right. And we have to acknowledge that the health and wellness industry can sort of create that. And it leads back into other things we've talked about in this podcast and the previous one with the first five personality traits is that when the health and wellness industry just keeps presenting solutions that are very extreme, you may feel powerless. Like I know as a new mom, when I, you know, had like a baby and, you know, was dealing with some body dysfunction and it, it did feel impossible to find a way forward. Like, it's like, well, because when you have an image of your mind of like a super fit, you know, fit, you know, thin fitness model or something as fit, you do kind of feel like you'll never get there. And so when people are like, well, you know, could you do a 20 minute home workout twice a week? Like, could that be your small step forward? You're just kind of like, well, no. And then someone who well, has a victim mind, do it. Like, that's not going to work. Yeah. That's not going to do it. That's not going to get me there. So then you're constantly, all you see is roadblocks. All you see in your life is roadblocks. So I think coming out of the victim mindset can, um, part of the process can be about setting, you know, manageable, attainable goals. Um, and really kind of working through all these mindsets of like health and fitness isn't all or nothing. Um, you know, a, the woman who's doing squats while she's folding laundry is doing a little bit more for herself than the woman who is not doing squats. I mean, you don't have to do squats while you fold laundry, but you know what I mean? Like, so our job as coaches is to see there's always a tiny little way step forward to take care of yourself, to yeah. fit in the things you want to fit in. Like, it may not be perfect, but our job as coaches and as health and fitness professionals in general... It shouldn't be to portray that life of perfection, right? So, 
Yeah. And sometimes there are factors um, or elements of a person's life that, you know, do create roadblocks that you cannot work around. But, um, you know, can we take a detour um, and do it a little bit different way? And and like you said, Jen, that's our job as a coach is to help you work around that versus, you know, give up on you. Just because you you can't have something right now Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you will never have it. So when I was 20, I had my first son at 25. And at the age of 25, I thought like, that was it. Like, I just couldn't see the big picture at 25. I don't know if it was my immaturity or whatever. And I needed to have everything like right now. And in many realms of life, like my, my partner and I, we rushed into buying a house because we needed to have a house and it was kind of a house we couldn't afford. And so, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, now I look back and think, why didn't we wait? Like, why didn't we stay in our little rental for, you know, our baby didn't need a big house. Like, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, you know, as Lauren said in our last podcast, like people really need to zoom out and look at their big picture and have more patience. And just cause you can't have something right now doesn't mean you will never have it. Right. That's hard for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something that I do is I, I've been in the victim mindset in different areas and different points of my life before. And I feel like when you're so stuck in that, you're like, you're at the level of the problem and you can't see any solution. I find what helps me is to take a break, like take a break from it, go do something that I enjoy and come back with kind of try to come back with a fresh perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. taking a break definitely helps me. Sometimes I need like a kick in the pants too, where like someone also be like, look, like, what are you doing? And that kind of can open my eyes too. like, why, like, why is this so hard for me? Why am I stuck in this? And that can get me thinking too. Yeah. That's awesome. third party nice. objective opinion yes. perspective can be helpful. Um, okay. Moving on next personality trait, people who avoid emotional discomfort. Right. So also really common. Yeah. (laughs) Robot Lauren. I used to be like this and now I just like, I just like swim in it. I was telling someone the other day that I'm like, I cry almost every day. I've realized that crying is how I, how I process um, anger and frustration. And I will not, I just don't avoid it anymore. But as I've shared, I've done lots of therapy in learning how to do that because it's important to understand. So first of all, it's important to understand that um, processing um, emotions that don't feel good for you, it's natural to want to run from those and processing them and feeling them is a skill. So, and it's a skill that you can learn and it's not comfortable, but... Annie, I think, is learning to do it right now. Yes. Again, therapy at 35 in the last eight months. This is a skill I didn't develop. I just didn't develop. I took disc uncomfortable emotions and I would just shove them away and, and you know, just keep shoving them down, shoving them down. And if you know me, you know that I don't cry, that I usually don't get upset, um, at least outside, you know, the four walls of my home. Like I'm very kind of even keel and... And any sort of quote-unquote negative emotion like crying, sadness, 
uh, embarrassment, shame. Like I do not publicly display those, but I'm working on it because there it's, it's a, it's a, it's a spectrum of emotion and they're all okay. And you don't have to avoid them. So yes, it is a skill. Like it's okay to not be okay, Absolutely. as we say. And there's right? and you're not weak if you cry. You're not pathetic if you're embarrassed. You're not like you know. I just have a lot of baggage with feeling some of these emotions. Right. And right. going back to my dinner example, if you listened to the last podcast last night where I cried because I ruined dinner, I felt better afterwards. Like I cried a little bit, got it out. I realized like, why am I crying over this? And then right. I felt better. Right. <laughs> It's just that realization that you're not perfect. Yeah. Yes. It's like, but that's okay. So you just cry it out and then you're like, okay, I can move on. Yeah. So people who avoid emotional discomfort, the reason they struggle with being consistent in their health and wellness journey is because they often reach for food um, during those moments of discomfort. Or um, I would also say, this wasn't in the book, but I, I would also say a lot of people will over-exercise or like turn to exercise as sort of a way to distract themselves and, you know, just do really intense exercise so they can't think about those uncomfortable things, which there's obviously benefits to exercising, but there's also such a thing as like over-exercising or sort of exercise obsession and it almost is a disorder kind of thing. Um and it works like those. So overeating when you're distressed, um, it works in the moment to alleviate that distress. Right. But unfortunately, um, it usually leads to feeling worse afterwards. So not only is that distressful emotion still there, that thing, that big scary thing is still there to deal with. You're then having to deal with kind of the guilt and shame that people often feel and the self-loathing that people often feel after they have, whether it's overeating or binge eating or whatever, to escape from those emotions. So it's definitely a very short-term alleviation of emotion and then can lead to feeling worse. So we actually have a chapter in Balance 365 on emotional eating um, and to, you know, encourage people to like, actually feel those emotions, work through them, process them, um, rather than turning to food for comfort all the time. And fine print, we understand that food is comforting. We're not saying like you should have no emotion attached to food. Food should not make you feel better about yourself, etc. But it's more about um, if you're using food consistently as a way to avoid emotions, then that can not be aligned with many people's goals. Absolutely. And, you know, to, um, as I said, I, you know, therapy can be a really good tool in dealing with emotional discomfort, not just as it relates to food, but just in life in general. If yeah. That's and a it might be the discomfort you. you might be feeling might be like you have no boundaries with your children. So your children are just on you all day long. And so, and but it's uncomfortable for you to set boundaries or maybe those are with your partner mm-hmm. you know whatever it is you have this emotional distress you might not even have sat down to sort through it like why am I so distressed why am I headed for the pantry every single day after my kids are in bed because I'm just I feel so distressed um and so yeah it might just be about sitting down and really sorting out where that distress is coming from and Understanding that short term, that short term discomfort 
of working through those emotions or setting those boundaries or or getting you know getting what you need in your life to not feel distressed is what is going to lead to long-term fulfillment. Uh, one area that I see this in myself too, um, and it gets a little gray, I'm not talking uh, about needing alcohol, but I've been very open about my habit of grabbing a glass or two of wine when I'm feeling stressed. Like, you know, you just need something to take the edge off, quote unquote. And um, I've really made it an, an intentional practice on finding ways outside of uh, food and, and drink, food and alcohol to cope with feelings. You know, if I want to have a glass right. of wine, I can have a glass of wine, but why am I reaching for this glass of wine? You know? Right. Yeah. And we've talked, we talked about that in balance sheet 65 of trying to white knuckle these situations when the underlying, the, the underlying issue is that you don't like emotional discomfort or that you have too much stress in your life. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot easier to pour a glass of wine in the moment than it is to address the overwhelming stress you have or the feelings that you have and actually change your life to be in a way that is a little bit less stressful. So you're not reaching for the glass of wine. Do you know what I mean? Like we do have a lot of quick fix coping mechanisms available to us in our society that are affordable, accessible, you know, they're right there. And it's okay sometimes, you know, we're all about moderation. Sometimes I want a glass of wine after a stressful day and it helps me unwind and I enjoy it. But if I'm having, you know, like three glasses of wine and I'm doing that seven days a week because I can't handle my life, like then you have to start, um, you know, maybe consider that you might have a problem and or if you're or if that's food you're reaching for every single day. Um, Yeah. 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 Okay. moving on. Uh, The next one, people who struggle with impulsivity. Right. So I think this is fairly self-explanatory that if you are an impulsive person, you are probably more likely to be someone who um, overeats. That's me. It's me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm pretty impulsive. (laughs) Right. So taking, so one thing is we are about, because we're about balance and moderation, sometimes we get a bad rap. Sometimes people I think feel in the health and wellness industry or like who are really into health and wellness and healthy eating think like, oh, those those girls at Balance 365 are just all about being lazy and right. whatever. Enablers. Right. Yeah. But actually um, taking care of our health, it does require paying attention. So it's just that those people don't seem to understand the middle ground. Those So people. we're like, hey, those look. Pe- you're, t- you're talking about <laughs> those me, people. Jen. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just – so it's more like um, – you know, there's people out in the health and wellness industry who are promoting, you know, very almost obsessive and disordered eating, right? And we're trying to say, how do you describe the middle ground? And I remember describing it to someone in Balance 365, saying like, I don't not care about my health. I don't not care about my nutrition choices. I just don't obsess over them. However, I do pay attention to them. But there is a big, big big area between obsessing and paying attention. Right. And I, Mindful. I think yeah. too, that the reason we talk so much about the other side of it, the eating the ice cream or their Snickers or taking rest when you need it and stress relief is because our society and culture as a whole is so focused on the other side. So while, you know, health is important to us and we have those boundaries and those guidelines, it's just, we seem to need to talk a little bit more about the balance and moderation because 
our society as a whole is so extreme. Right. So when someone posts in Healthy Habits Happy Moms a, a bowl of ice cream with sprinkles and all the fixings and saying like, haven't, this is what I'm having, having it for supper. This is all I'm having. <laughs> we might celebrate that because we, you know, I think we kind of have an understanding of where she might be coming from. Right. Where, where she, and so for her, that's a healthy choice for her at that time. It is because she has been living for 12 years with shame and guilt around wanting to do something like that. And then, but then if you're sort of new to our culture and don't understand what we're all about, um, because we have been called enablers before. Yeah. So it's saying, why are you enabling, you know, why are you celebrating women sitting down having a bowl of ice cream for supper? And then it's like, well, let's zoom out and look at this woman's life for the last 12 years. This is a celebration for her. We're not encouraging people to have a bowl of ice cream at every meal. Um, so back yeah. off. Back <laughs> off. Yeah. We kind of got off track there. <laughs> Eyes on your own. We were supposed to be, yes. We were supposed to be talking about being impulsive. But so <laughs> goes without saying Impulsive people pro struggle with consistency. Consistency is really boring for them because um, they get some gratification out of being impulsive. This, there's, you know, people are impulsive in many areas of life, not just eating, but like, you know, shopping, like people who just can't help but grab things at the till. So there's, you know, there's shopping behaviors can be impulsive, um, you know, several different things. So, um, so usually people who are impulsive, they don't tolerate frustration very well and people who have higher frustration tolerances are usually less impulsive so that's kind of what you need to address there is like your frustration tolerance and um so somebody who an, an example of somebody who's very impulsive they might wake up in the morning and they're on a diet and they go through all their cupboards and they throw away all the junk food but then they're at the grocery store that afternoon and they're going down the junk food aisle and they just buy it all. Yeah. Right. So that was an example straight from this textbook, actually. Um, right. So And so those people, they also struggle with um, needing instant gratification. I think this is uh, kind of relates to what our uh, Balance 365 coach, Melissa Parker, talks about. Um, you know, how people make plans for future you, but they make decisions based on present you or present me. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, like I think someone that's impulsive, uh, myself included, uh, really like can lay out really best laid plans, but then they, you know, they get to a party and they're just like, ah, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So you're, um, that's me in Detroit at the JJ concert. <laughs> When we we went out in Detroit, and I was like, just I just have like one glass of t wine, maybe two. And that's thing you know, she's taking selfies of other people in the yeah, bathroom for them. Yes, <laughs> pounding back pizza at four in the morning in our hotel room, and it's a wild night. It Anyways. was a good night. It was a great night though. In the snow. TMI. TMI snow. for our. Hey, for we can well, we can so we can hangs from time to time. Yes, yeah. we can live it up. Yeah. So circling back to the present you and future you too, the thing is you are never, you make plans for future you, but you are never future you. You are always present you, which like 
when I first heard that blew my mind. I it feel is. Like so that's the, like, where the internal conflict comes do, in do, do, of do, wanting do, no do, one do. to be impulsive. But what Melissa says is, and what a lot of Bound 365ers have started to adopt is if you can just grasp a bit of mindfulness and take a minute and think like, what would future me want? What would future me thank me for right now? Yes. Yeah. So, and not every decision is a big decision. Like if I impulsively have a chocolate bar in an afternoon, you know, like, you know, that's probably my future me probably may not care, but my future me probably doesn't want me to have six chocolate bars because in an hour I'm going to feel horrible and future me is going to be like, why did you do that? (laughs) Right. Kind of thing. (laughs) It's about what you do most of the time. Right. Not Yeah. 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 So, and if you're having trouble with impulse control um, and you don't tolerate frustration very well, um, you could also see a therapist as we keep talking about through these podcasts. Always an option. Yeah. And we're saying that because we recognize that as much as we can help women, a lot of this is out of our scope of practice. And we like to think that we are ethically and morally sound company and we're not operating out of the scope of our practice. So we can draw attention to these issues and then point you in the right direction to get the help you need. Uh, Okay, the last one, wrapping it up here. Um, Jen, you want to wrap it up for us? The the last point? Okay, so this one's really important and a lot of people are going to relate to it. So you will struggle with consistency Um, and long-term health and wellness goals if you are self-critical about eating, food, fitness, weight, and appearance. So simply put, uh, we become our thoughts. And if you are constantly criticizing yourself and um, flooded with thoughts of self-loathing and shaming yourself, Um, you will really struggle with approaching your health and wellness from a place of self-care. So if you are constantly telling yourself that you're a failure and you're never going to make it, you're never going to do it, then you probably won't. Right, because thoughts trigger our feelings and feelings trigger our actions. Exactly. But the flip side is, is that that's, it can be really encouraging. Right. Because you right. can change your thoughts to change your actions. Absolutely. Yeah. You have the power. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things, um, so when a woman in Balance 65 comes to us with a problem, um, I sort of can sense if she's too much in the problem and I will try to get her to zoom out or we'll zoom out a little bit. And one of the, so I'll say, okay, well, first thing, um, do you believe you can overcome this problem? And like, it's like, it's first, it's first cultivating that belief or do you believe you can achieve this goal? So, and that's why setting realistic goals is so important. So in Balance 365, we tell women that when they're goal setting, so when they go into each chapter of Balance 365 and they're, working on a new habit or a new strategy, um, they need to set a goal that they are 90% certain they can achieve. And that helps with the mindset around it. And once you believe that you can achieve something, then you are more likely to achieve it, right? So if Mm -hmm. I took my son out front our house and set up a basketball net that was, 
I don't know. What's the standard, Annie? You're the basketball ten, player. Ten, ten feet? Ten nine, feet? Nine I was going to say nine. I wasn't Nine, nine ten feet? Um, yeah. <laughs> so if I told my four-year-old son to, like, start, you know, getting baskets, he would kind of be like he probably wouldn't even try he might try once or twice realize like he's never going to get it and then he wouldn't want to try anymore right and if that was the standard that I just kept setting for him over and over and over and over you know the vast majority of people would get really discouraged but if you get a net that is you know maybe four feet high and that's kind of where you start right so if you kind of put it into compared to how you would approach any new skill with your children, you don't take them, you you know, we can kind of realistically understand that you crawl, you usually crawl before you walk and you walk before you run. And um, a lot of times we feel like failures and are telling ourselves our failures because our goals were way too out there in the first place. Mm-hmm. They were never achievable in the first place. And I think something that's really common in the, in the diet and fitness industry as well is that to use that shame as motivation to drive us forward. And, um, it, that can be really discouraging. As you said, it can be really, um, disparaging and like, just feel really yucky. And when versus having a goal that like, yeah, that's challenging, but I can do it or it's hard and I can do it, uh, can be really motivating. Yeah, it's the difference of putting yourself into a downward spiral and putting yourself into an upward spiral, right? Right. So, um, yeah, and I guess, so I guess it's like people listening to this need to understand that maybe being critical of themselves has helped them in the past with short-term motivation, I guess. Um, But actually what... Um, professionals see and research is showing is that if that is your strategy, um, you will struggle. Like we know that people who take that approach or have that person, those personality traits um, aren't getting to where they need to be. So it is about, if you want to get going, you do need to start cultivating more positive um, thoughts and positive self-talk. Mm-hmm. And just approaching, like it's it's just, I know we say this a million times, but it is very, very, very important that change comes from a place of self-care. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, and that's, I think that's probably the advice that we would give to uh, friends and family that we love in our lives too. We, we uh, hopefully aren't beating them up with all the ways that they're failing, all their shortcomings, what they're not doing, what's not going well. You know, if you want to encourage someone, if I want to encourage my child, I'm out there saying, yeah, you can do it. Like, I know you've done this before. Let's try this now. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's get a little bit farther as we throw the ball. And, you know, it's like gradual baby steps. Yeah, just um, micro goals. Yeah. 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 Building and, you know, building confidence as you go. And it's about, it's as much about the mindset that you believe you can do it than it is about if you, you know, can physically do it. Right. right. Absolutely. All right. This was we great. Did it. Yeah. We covered so 11. many good personality traits. And I think I can speak for all of us when we heard and saw ourselves in multiple elements of those. So if you did too, you're not alone. Should yeah. we recap all 11? Yes. Go for it. Hit it up. Okay. Number one, all or nothing thinking. Got to ditch it. Number two, perfectionists. Three, people with a deficit mindset. 
four, people who are help avoidant, five, people who are externally rather than internally motivated, six, people pleasers or approval seekers, seven, victim mindset, eight, people who avoid emotional discomfort, nine, people who struggle with impulsivity, 10, people who are self-critical about eating, food, fitness, weight, and appearance, and 11, did we, is it, was that just 10 that we did? <laughs> you laughed at me We've been when saying I 11 said the whole time. 10 or 11, and you guys like gave me an eye roll, like get with the program, Annie, and I was like, the problem no, is, 10. Keep, are you saying no, it's 11? People, can, so people it's can't see it, but you did letters, so it's, there. your points were A, B, C, D, and then I cannot translate that to numbers quickly in my head. Oh, I should have made it numbers. <laughs> Look at us. Hot mess express over here. I was just looking here. at Jen. It's 11. <laughs> I know what we'll I'm talking about. We'll change everything. <laughs> re-record. Re-record. <laughs> Delete. Yeah. Re-record. I would See? say here's number 11. Here's number 11 that is very important and people need to understand is, that that is, our, is our disclosure notes in the book. It was our disclosure at the start is that there are um, very serious um, personality disorders and mood disorders that can affect your ability to stay consistent and not overeat and people sh- need to need to seek this isn't just like a mindset thing that you work through it's mental health issues that you need to address and, um, and are the underlying issue of Jen these can habits. you share the name of the book and the author one more time helping patients outsmart overeating Psychological Strategies for Doctors and Healthcare Providers by Karen Koenig and Paige O'Mahony. And Balance 365 Coaches. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, this was great. I This was uh, really eye-opening. And uh, I think it feels good to know that if you were struggling with some of the elements that we talked about in either one of the episodes, that uh, it's pr- likely not just you. Um, it, a lot of people struggle with those same things and that you have the power to take some steps to move through them or past right. them. Yeah. Yeah. Which, as we just talked about, ending on a hopeful note you know, staying positive and having goals that are achievable is key. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, ladies. Thanks. Thanks. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by our online coaching course, Balance 365. If you're ready to say goodbye to quick fixes and false promises and yes to building healthy habits and a life you're 100% in love with, then check out our program at balance365.co to learn more.